Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 175, and we're reviewing Free Run Beyond Journey's End, part two. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. This is kind of like a, a weird situation. We thought we were going to talk about 10 episodes in this part two review, but it turns out we're probably only going to talk about nine because there was a skipped week for Free Run. I think because the anime was taking a break, the typical break that you get in a lot of like two core or 24 episode anime, I think it was right around New Year's, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I think it was probably because of the holiday. Um, I don't know how like the airing schedule works in Japan, but I know that they have special programming that happens on New Year's, so maybe that affected free run schedule, but yeah. I imagine it is just like a break between cores. And hey, I'm all for a break. If a if a studio needs a break, if the animer, animators need a break, let's give them that break. That way they have enough breathing room and enough time to produce an anime, especially one as like well-produced and as insanely animated as Free Run. We talked about this before in the part one review. Like there's not a ton of action in Free Run. But instead of dedicating a lot of resources and a lot of time to animating crazy fight scenes, which, by the way, are still really amazingly animated in the show, I feel like the animators dedicate a lot of focus on making the tiniest little movements, um, things flow so smoothly, like even just the characters walking, which they do a lot of. They, they walk and talk a lot in this anime. You can see, like, their hair is moving in a pretty realistic way or like their clothes are flowing. It just, there's a lot of attention to detail, which I am loving about Free Run. But for this episode, we're going to be reviewing Free Run episodes 11 through 19. So we're kind of in a, a weird chunk where halfway through um, we get a change in OP, um, kind of signaling the, the second half of this Free Run arc um taking place but before we dive into each of the episodes what are our thoughts on this chunk of free run this show is boring boring no i'm kidding okay (laughs) (laughs) i I think i actually appreciate the show more now after watching this subsequent part of about nine episodes i know in the first part of our review, I was kind of hesitant um, because it, the show was just way more slow than I had anticipated. But I think once you know what you're getting into with Free Rend, you kind of just follow the groove and, like I said, appreciate it for what it's doing. Uh, I guess outside of the norms of what you'd expect from this kind of show about like it, it touts itself as a fantasy series, but I would say it's more in line with like a like a slice of life at this point. Yeah, I agree there, and um, with the show not being exactly what we—I I say we—because I agree with you. Like, I also didn't expect it to be such a slow-moving show, but it's like deliberately slow. It's slow because that's the way the storytelling needs to be for it to hit the way that it does. This actually reminds me of like Game of Thrones or Downton Abbey, two shows that Carl and I really, really love. Both of those shows are just a lot of walking and talking. But despite that, which on the surface seems really, really boring, 
it's both like both those shows are just fantastically written and incredibly engrossing and, and compelling and that's totally fine like sometimes you don't need flashy action scenes to make a show capture your attention if it's well written if the characters are interesting if the situations they're placed into are really um you know either dramatic or heartfelt or what have you that's enough to like grab and keep my attention and that's exactly what's happening with free run um, now that we're in the second chunk of the show, I, I'm i just like so invested in these characters. I just love them so much. And while the show's not about politics, um, like Game of Thrones, or about, I don't know, what would you consider Downton Abbey? About like just people and etiquette? <laughs> it was, Maybe it some was politics? Just, uh, talking and eating dinner there you go yeah <laughs> that's that's what Downton Abbey is all about free run is about experiences regret um and relationships as we talked about in our part one review and and that's enough like for me that's that's enough and even though I say that's enough the cherry on top is that the action scenes are fucking awesome yeah free run just sits in a very unique spot I guess because this is beyond the journey's end and you would assume all all the quote-unquote fun stuff has come and gone that's not necessarily the truth because there's still so much going on after the hero's party defeats the demon king but i I found this kind of blurb on the internet that talks about what what the premise of freedom is and, and why it's so special and i think it just kind of summarizes what we've seen so far and what we've seen in this part The best part about this show is the softness of the story and how it can make so many simple moments feel very special. The main characters are very well written. They all feel unique with good traits and flaws all equally on display, which allows them to quickly become characters that you feel invested in. So kind of in line with what you were saying, there's a lot of world building that still happens in these parts, but it's world building in a different sense where, as I said before, Freeran feels more like a slice of life with these sort of random quiet moments that are peppered into the overarching journey where it's like Freeran is becoming the hero now and she's the one who's helping shape the lives of this new party of hers. And there's just a lot of these emotional, like these emotion-filled vignettes that continue to touch upon themes of regret, of legacy, and friendship, just the the little life lessons. And that's what I love about this show is it's not, like, it's not in service of the bigger plot of what's going on, but it really just focuses on these small moments and kind of makes you think about these things, like, in your own life. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's a message we really need now more than ever, at least coming from the viewpoint of a millennial. Just a, a story and, and a message that says it's okay to appreciate the small things. There are, there are a lot of fun things that you can do in life, a lot of big goals that you could try to achieve, but don't ever forget what's really important. And that's the people around you and the relationships that you cultivate. And I think that resonates, um, I think, now more than ever like super hard for us because with a baby 
that's kind of what my mindset has been or our, our mindset has been um, since, you know, becoming parents. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of fun things that we can do and maybe we can't do those things um, as easily having a baby, but I'm okay with that because I'd much rather spend time with him and watch him grow up because, you know, that, that first year of his life is so quick um, that if we if we blink, we miss, you know, a major milestone that he's he's gone through. So I would much, much rather dedicate my time to being there for him and watching him grow up than doing something crazy big um, that means that would take us away from him. And that's, I think, what Free Run is experiencing here. To she, a much larger extent, like over 300 years yeah. or so. <laughs> She's realizing how short the lives of humans are relative to her own. And, she, you know, despite that, I think her, her previous mindset was like, well, you're going to be gone, you know, in, in no time. So what's the point in making relationships with you when you're going to die long before I do? She's she's switched to, you know, I have the mindset of, mindset of I have such a short amount of time with you that I want to make every day, every second count. And I just I love that so much. Like I think it's it's like I said, a great message to have for everybody um, and a, a great um, motivator to start thinking that way. Man, what a burden it must be to be free and to <laughs> live such a long time and just see friends come and go. But I guess she learns a lot of life lessons for herself along the way. There are two things in particular, though, about the second half that I've got to call out that I'm absolutely loving the first is the comedy and the humor i feel like the second chunk is so much funnier than the first chunk mm -hmm. i think what i love is when fern makes those like pouty faces oh my god so <laughs> cute <laughs> you know that that's mostly tied in with something happening between her and stark Okay, which so, is... Is that your second? That's my second favorite thing, <laughs> is the figured. romantic development yeah, between have, Fern and Stark. I have something about that later on. <laughs> Let's fucking go. But yeah, I, I think that that's, that's really drawing me in even harder to free run. So I, I'm personally enjoying the second half more than I did the first half, even though I really love the first half. What about you? Do you have one that's resonating harder with you? From the two parts that we've seen? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I said earlier that I... Once I found the rhythm that Freeran was dancing to, to use a, a metaphor, I think I started to enjoy the second half a lot more. Uh, you know, first half kind of just builds that foundation, and once you know what's going on, the second half, again, you start. There are a lot of storylines in this half that I, not half, but this part that I really appreciate, and I think have resonated with me more so than what we've seen in the first part. However, I'll say that things take a bit of a turn when it comes to the first class mage exam, which takes up the last two episodes of this part that we're reviewing. This, I guess, arc kind of feels like it was shooed in for the sake of having uh, an exam arc. Do you have the same feelings? I don't know if it, if it feels shooed into me, but similar to how you're feeling, I'm just not vibing with it. To me, mm. it's a departure from from what free rent is all about. And maybe it's just too early on in the exam arc for us to get a feel for where they're trying to go with it or the message they're trying to deliver. But two episodes in, I was kind of like, okay, like I just, this is cool and all, but I would much rather have the walking and talking that we've had yeah, up until weird. this point. 
And who knows? Maybe this exam arc will differentiate itself in a good way from what we've seen in other shows. I, I would say, like, the most pressing comparison I can make is with, like, the Hunter exam from Hunter Hunter. Um, th- this is kind of reminiscent of what I've seen in that show. But, yeah, and Freeran has taken things and turned them on their head. So even though we only cover two episodes or so of this first class mage exam, we have to wait and see what happens in part three of this series or this season, because I'm sure Freerun will eventually get another season after this. Really briefly, want to talk about the OP and ED. There are a couple changes when it comes to the OP. We still have Yusha or Hero by Yoasobi as the opening through episode 16. But once episode 17 hits, that's where I guess the actual second half of this show begins. And so we have the the OP, Sunny by Yorushka, Yorushika. <laughs> uh, Visuals-wise, you have free, it starts off with Freeland in a, a field with blue butterflies. And you see the four heroes of the new party and some new faces that are yet to be discovered, which I think we'll see in the first class mage exam and in any subsequent arc that happens in part three. So I I feel like this OP is a lot more colorful and more vivid than the first OP Kind of a transition from, you know, the first OP felt like it, it focused a lot on, the heroes party with Himmel and Aizen and Haider. And now we're moving into more of the new generation of the heroes party that Freeran is leading with Stark, Fern, uh, Sine, or Sane for a little bit. Uh, so yeah, just a, a nice transition from OP to OP. Yeah, the, the new OP is pretty chill. I, I don't think it's as fitting or as good as the first one, but the visuals are really nice. Um, I As soon as it played, I'm like, oh, shit, are we getting introduced to a ton of new characters? Which, yes, we are through the exam arc because um, they just showed like all these people that we've never seen. I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. <laughs> We're going to get a slew of characters. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's a very... It, it's, it's like way more flashy, way more colorful than the first OP, but again, the first OP to me feels more fitting because of how calm and, and more subdued it is. That matches the vibe of Free Run. But again, maybe with the exam arc, we're going to get more action scenes and whatnot, which is why they had a, a pivot in the new OP. The only thing that's left hanging for me from the first OP is who was that kind of elf-like I'll say creature or being that sat in that chair. Oh yeah, I don't think we got any resolution on that because that was not Aura, right? I think right, I, yeah, I originally thought Aura, it was, but it wasn't her. No, because th- that character had th- the long ears like an elf. Um, I I don't know if it. Okay, it's not Ubel who we're introduced to in this part. So yeah, I have no idea who that elf is, but. Maybe that's just a foreshadowing to a character we'll see down the road. In terms of the song and the lyrics, it is chiller vibes, like Courtney said. Almost has this ska-like rhythm to it, minus like the, the trumpets. Uh, but it's a metaphorical song about 
enjoying the sunny days and the things that surround you, which are things that Frida must take to heart as she continues to empathize with her human counterparts where every moment and every memory should be treasured. And that's all kind of symbolized in the chorus of the song. It's going to be clear and sunny. The flowers are going to bloom and it's going to be clear. So if it stops raining, even the rain will decorate you. The sound that beats in my heart will calm down and will go beyond those clouds, go far, far away. In terms of the ED, we have the same song as from the first part, Anytime, Anywhere by Mire. Uh, there are new visuals that come with episode 17 where the new OP is introduced. A little bit of a musical variation where it uses a later verse and chorus of that same song. Which makes me wonder, like, why can't anime do this more often with using the entirety of a song for an opening or an ending? I know we've seen that with Hunter Hunter's OP where they kind of switch between different verses and choruses. Uh, I just think this should be a, a practice that should be used more often so, you know, we're not just blazing through several different OPs and ADs. Yeah, when the ED came on, I was like, interesting kind of what what you said like we usually see this with ops where they use the same song but you know you maybe use a different portion of it but this time it's an ed um and that's really cool however i'm not gonna lie i don't like the visuals <laughs> something about the visuals and the claymation stuff is kind of weirding me out like just giving me creepy vibes i don't like watching it i was watching it and i'm like i don't like this so i started like speeding it up and then I, I finished it and I'm like I'm probably not gonna watch that ever again <laughs> but it's cool that they kept the same song yeah I kind of had the same vibe I don't know what it is about claymation or this specific kind of claymation that kind of sends chills down my spine yeah something about it it's it's like kind of that uncanny valley feeling but not entirely like it just feels weird something feels off maybe it's because the claymation free run that we see in this ending is like faceless yeah that could <laughs> um, be it but yeah it's more of like that storybook kind of style compared to the first ending which seemed to be focused a lot on flowers uh we see something like the red thread the red thread of fate kind of tying a lot of these visuals together almost like it's tying all of these character stories together uh but i think the most important story and the most important symbol is that of the butterfly that appears a lot in this ending. And I think the butterfly is commonly associated with Fern and her relationship with Freeran. Because I believe the final shot of this is of Freeran and Fern kind of embracing each other in the field. And then there's, wait, maybe I'm thinking of the OP, that image of like their staffs on the bed next to each other. I might, am I thinking of the OP? That might be the OP. Yeah, it might be. Well, but, either way, yeah. <laughs> Same kind of idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's their re relationship that kind of forms the basis of uh, Free Ren moving on from the hero's party and kind of her new role in, in this world. All right, Strictly fam. Let's keep this hero's party going as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Free Ren Beyond Journey's End the 2023 anime adaptation of a manga series written by Kanehito Yamada and illustrated by Tsukasa Abe. Produced by Madhouse and directed by Keichiro Saito, episodes 11 through 19 of the series see Freeran and her party continuing their journey to Oriole, 
gaining meaningful life experiences along the way while preparing for a mage exam that stands between her and the Northern Plateau. Starting with episode 11, Winter in the Northern Lands, Aura Aura has cried her last aura, and so Freerun and friends continue their journey towards Oriola, but update their itinerary to include Oysurst so that they can secure a first-class mage ticket via the Not Hunter exam into the Northern Realm. An untimely Chicago blizzard sets them back, but introduces them to a fellow elven traveler named Kraft Mac and Cheese, who reminds Freerun about the importance of preventing memory loss and always leaving a five-star review for your Uber driver. Really great episode. As I mentioned before, they're laying it on thick with the funny moments and the humor, and I, I love it. No, not, not too thick, right? Like, it's it's the appropriate amount of humor that they're giving us in the second half, and this episode is no exception. Like, just just so many funny moments throughout the episode, especially with Stark waking up next to Kraft, and then Kraft doing the fucking squats, and then Fern just closing the door saying there's oh, a right. pervert in there. <laughs> like, these are all just such good moments that are really um helping to develop these characters more because when we first got introduced to free run and to fern i was like they probably don't have a funny bone in their body both of them are deadpan i was like stark's gonna be the only one that has humor but i was totally wrong because we're getting a ton of hilarious moments with free run and fern and i love it yeah the thing about craft is i know he was saying that he's trying to stay warm and that's why he's doing all of these was it like squats yeah in the cabin because he wasn't wearing a fucking shirt. I know. <laughs> you put on a shirt and you'll be warm. But, you know, again, it's it's the humor of this that that really delivers. Craft um, is voiced by Takehito Koyasu of Dio fame from JoJo and more recently of Toji fame from Jujutsu Kaisen. So it's kind of nice to see him in friendlier roles this time around uh, but he's just one of a couple jojo alums that we will see in this second part of free run it's really cool to get introduced to another elf because free run, free run was saying in an earlier episode that it's been forever since she's seen another elf um i i love that craft obviously is experiencing a lot of the things that free run ex- is experiencing because he is older than her and he said that he found religion when everyone who remembered him was gone, which is the exact situation that Free Run has to deal with. And that's why I think she's distanced herself from a lot of other beings because she's going to outlive them. They're going to forget about her and they're going to go away. So what's the point? Uh, but for him, he he tries to have a positive outlook on it, saying like the God, I think he said something like the goddess will remember everything that I've done, you know, when I eventually pass on. And what was really jarring to me and one of those moments that just kind of puts things into perspective from like an elf's point of view is when Fern told Kraft that Free Ren was one of the four heroes, right? Like one of these four heroes that 80 years ago like saved the world from the demon king. Like, you know, she she's a big deal. But to Kraft, not so much because his reaction or his response was, and before that, meaning to him, like that's just a blip on the mm-hmm. the lifeline or the lifetime that free run has had like what did you do before that like to him that's just like not a big deal and i just thought that was such a weird thing to have to stop and comprehend because again like his lifespan is so long that he probably had a handful of moments where he was hailed a hero or was a big deal but then he eventually stopped being a, b- a big deal when everyone forgot about him 
Yeah, it's almost ironic because you have a character here who whose lifespan is hundreds of years and you know their their concern is having someone around who will acknowledge like the things that you've done and you not being lost to time but obviously that's difficult for the the elven race because they live so long so it's this interesting concept of legacy where if you outlive everyone who has known you like what do you have to look forward to but i think for for craft he finds that solace in religion and in his belief in an afterlife of you know there'll be someone in the great beyond who will acknowledge the things that i've done and that's that's what's fine with him so it's a very interesting thing to think about yeah, and to piggyback off of that, Kraft says, like, tell me about you, Freerun, because then I can remember you. Um, I can be the one to remember you and to praise you. And Freerun stops and recalls her conversations with Hyder um, and how he said that he would be the one to praise her. And I think she remembers him so fondly and wants to appreciate the memory that she has with him and the time that he spent praising her that she ends up telling Kraft that's okay I, I already have somebody who's praised me and she doesn't want to replace that special you know that special bond that special moment of praise mm -hmm. that Hyder gave her um you know because that kind of almost not like erases the memory but like may discount it a little bit and I also really loved the very quick prayer moments when they were eating, like during the montage of them, like waiting out the, the winter storm. Um, every time they were eating, it would be uh, Fern and Kraft praying before eating and Stark and Freerun would just be enjoying them themselves. But as time went on, then eventually Stark started praying with them. And then finally Freerun also joined them. And I think what this shows is that significant time spent with people can help shape you even in the smallest ways. Mm. And it, I don't think this is a saying that Stark and Freerun were converted to this religion, but I think they see the positive impact this small little gesture has on Fern and um, and Craft, and maybe you just want to join in on that as like a, a camaraderie thing. One thing that's kind of odd about this episode is obviously the conclusion of what I, I call the demon arc with Aura and all those other demons facing off against Graf Granat and his village. It kind of just comes and goes. It almost feels inconsequential. Although I'm sure like there'll be other demon threats that come up in the future. Um, but I guess thinking about it and free rent and what its focus is on, it's not about like the threat here, but all the things happening in between that. And after too, I agree. I think um, it does come and go, but that may be almost intentional because for free free run, it was like no big deal. She was like, "Yeah, I can I can defeat Aura no problem." Mm -hmm. Like with snap of a finger, she like, <laughs> what did she tell her? Like kill herself or something? I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, but she's once again hailed as a hero because she not only brings peace to the people of that town or whatever by defeating Aura, but also brings closure to the the king dude or whatever when he finds his son that he knew was lost in battle but couldn't retrieve his body. Um, so I think to your point, it's a little less about. Um, it's a little less about the battle and more about the after, right? Which is beyond Journey's End, like beyond this battle. What are the after effects from that? In episode 12, a real hero 
Freerun and friends stop by a village where Legend of Zelda has it, the Master Sword is embedded in a stone, and fulfills a contractual obligation to get rid of any nearby monsters, while not Tony Stark notes that Jimmy Himmel lied about using the Master Sword to defeat the Demon King. But there are more important matters at hand for Stark, for it is his day of birth. And what better way to celebrate than by shopping for a gift with the girl you're mad crushing on? Despite the triggering memories of feeling unloved by his family, Freerun cooks up a mean celebratory Hamburg steak that makes Stark realize that his older brother once did the same for him, and thus this beef is literally put to rest. This is a really nice episode about Stark, who's quickly becoming my favorite character. Like He felt so unworthy for so long, but then realizes through his interactions with Free Run and Fern that his brother actually did really care about him. Um, and I like the parallels too that we get between Himmel and Stark because Himmel was confident and, and he knew he wanted to become a hero. Like that was his ultimate goal and he worked very hard toward that. But then you have Stark who is not confident at all um, and I think very much doubts his abilities you have him on one end who didn't pull that sword out of the stone, but that didn't stop him from becoming the hero he knew he could be. And then on that, that parallel is Stark, um, who felt like he wasn't worthy, but didn't let the fact that his whole village rejected him stop him from becoming a warrior. So he's on a very similar path to Himmel, although they're very different situations that they're going through. Stark is, is wanting to be something more than what everyone told him he could be. I guess you could also see a, see a parallel uh, with, you know, I think it's the f first half of this episode is a reference to the sword and the stone. I think the legend of King Arthur, um, but you know, the re revelation that Himmel never actually pulled the sword out of the, out of the stone, kind of a thing of like, things are not always as they seem. And that's the same case when Stark thinks back to his brother, at the end of this episode and realizing that, you know, he had Stark's best interests in mind, despite what Stark thought about his, his family. Um, so a nice parallel there to kind of compare Himmel's and Stark's stories as well. I also found it really interesting um, that when Stark kind of opens up a bit to Fern, that she tells him that the past doesn't matter because the Stark that she knows today is a warrior who wouldn't run away and hide. I I know that this this show very much talks about the importance of experiences and memories in the past and, you know, appreciating the past, but it reminds us that not literally everything from the past needs to be considered or needs to be held on to. There are some things where the present is more important than the past. Would you say it's like, it's not who I am underneath. The mask? What I do that defines Is me. this a Batman reference? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more thing that I think needs to be called out about this episode is what I think has become a meme now in the free run community. And I've seen images of this float around in our Discord as well. It's the scene where Freeran holds out the potion that's supposed to dissolve clothing, and that's what her gift for Stark was going to be for his birthday. But she has this like really smug face on, and she's holding out this bottle, and I've seen this kind of 
superimposed with other things like she's holding a, a bottle of beer and that was what i thought was the context of the scene is like friends like getting litty here but, you know, <laughs> obviously that's, that's not the case but it's still something else that's kind of wild uh, so yeah i i just i just love the memeability of this part in episode 13 aversion to one's own kind the anime trio becomes a temporary anime quartet when Free Run saves a local priest named Sane in the Brain, who in turn uses his aptness for magic to save not Tony Stark from a venomous vexation. Sane's brother, also a priest, encourages Free Run to help motivate Sane to pursue his dream of a Pokemon adventure with Gonfreaks' long lost brother. And after some joint encouragement, Sane decides to follow Free Run northward in the name of No Ragrats. So we get Sane the Priest. Um, and at first I was like, I don't want a new member, but then I was like, you know what? He's pretty chill. I kind of like him because he's a little rough around the edges. And even though he's not as old as free run, he has more of an adult perspective on things. And yeah, I think he's, he's pretty chill. And we got some really funny moments again in this episode. Um, like when free run tried to use her kiss move on sign, he's like, nah, I'm She's good. Like, <laughs> but then it worked on him. <laughs> I really like that. Cause I think they're, they're heavily hinting. I mean, we get more confirmation of this um, in later episodes, but like Himmel definitely had feelings for Free Ren, but she was too dense to notice that because she didn't care about her relationships with humans at the time. Um, but yeah, that kiss moment when he like KO'd was <laughs> great. I think this obviously this episode focuses a lot on Sane, and you know, there's a point where Frain. Frain. Frain? <laughs> oh, God, I'm not shipping them. <laughs> um, but Freeran kind of sees Sane's reluctance on going on a journey that he had dreamed of when he was younger, similar to her own kind of initial apprehension to joining the Heroes Party and fighting the Demon King. So this ties in with a theme that we saw at the beginning of the show, which is regret. Um, you know, Freeran regrets not having appreciated the time that she had with the Heroes Party, and here it's Sane regretting that he didn't go on that fantastic adventure with his his friend. Yeah, and Freeran's perspective of time has an advantage here because you have Sane who's kind of saying like, well, it's already been 10 years. There's no point. It's already been 10 years. My friend hasn't come back. He's probably gone. But Freeran flips the script and says, well, no, it's only been 10 years. Like, yeah, 10 years may seem like a long time, but it's also not a long time given, I guess, how long humans live anyway. Mm -hmm. Obviously, for her, it's like definitely not a long time. <laughs> it's like two seconds. Um, but by changing that perspective, that completely changes his motivation to go on the journey that he had wanted to for so long. Yeah, I know there's a line. I highlighted this line from the episode where Sane is commenting on Freerun's party. Uh, the hero's party that she she leads and says of Fern and Stark, they shined too brightly for these tired eyes, kind of signaling like, oh, I'm I'm too old to kind of get back into these things. But I kind of like, like you said, Freeran encourages him to snap out of it, and so does his his priestly brother who also does not want him to live a life with regret. Who fucking smacks him. So dramatic <laughs> out of nowhere. You know, sometimes you just got to smack it out of people <laughs> for guess. them to, to come to a realization. But, you know, I think that kind of hits, that hits home because, you know, 
I, I'm assuming like a lot of our audience is made up of millennials and they feel like there are so many things in life that they could have done. But as Freeran said, it might have only been 10 years. So you can still go out and, and pursue your dreams. Um, you shouldn't let age or time be a hindrance to that. Uh, I, I kind of see it with how we've continued doing this podcast for a couple of years now. Uh, we didn't start in like the heyday of podcasting, uh, but you know we started when we were in our late 20s, and I, I think we're still enjoying it. And I, I'm glad that we took the risk because otherwise we wouldn't have all of this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, millennials, guys, we're still young, okay? <laughs> I know we feel old because once you hit 30, your body starts breaking down on you, but we are still young in the grand scheme of things. I don't know if it was this episode. I think it was where they talk about the differences between types of magic, like Freerun's mage magic versus Sane's priest magic. I thought that was really cool. The The whole power structure that they're building here around magic is a to me a fresh take on it because in in the first part it talked about how some magic spells are actually expanded on from demons who originally created them i'm like that's so cool that you went just, over my head <laughs> it was really cool to me it was fascinating because you can just kind of like create spells and then of course Freerun's whole hobby of collecting grimoires, gr grimoires, grimoires, um, to learn all sorts of different spells, even like the the smallest things, right? Like drying clothes that get wet, like that that kind of stuff is so cool to me that you can just kind of craft spells that will do a million different things, and then they they take that a step further by saying there's a whole subset of magic that can only be used by people who own the holy scripture. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, the, just the whole thing is like fascinating the way it unfolds and the rules around it. Um, that it's not too convoluted, it's not too complicated, but it's it's still interesting, and it makes you think. So it's like there are magic types. Yeah. Like, like Pokemon types. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Last thing about this episode, again, we have new characters, so we have new VAs coming in. And these are two alums from JoJo. Uh, Sane is voiced by Yuichi Nakamura, who more recently plays Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen, but he was also the voice of Bucciarati in JoJo Part 5. And his priestly brother is Daisuke Hirakawa, who played Kakyoin uh, in JoJo Part 3. So a lot of notable JoJo VAs that are now in the world of free Ren. In episode 14, Privilege of the Young, ships and wagons sail left and right in this episode as Fix the Fernback and not Tony Stark navigate through the perils of raging hormones and birthday presents, and free Run thinks back to when Jimmy Himmel liked it so he went and put a ring on it. At least Sane was the only one sane enough to hitch his wagon to a horse with no legs, or shall I say bro legs because he's looking for his adventure bro <clears throat> nice <laughs> <laughs> i love the love i ship the shit out of stark and fern they're so cute and i love how hard he worked to pick a present for her like he really really wanted her to be happy with it 
It also kind of reminds me of the pre- uh, previous episode when it was Stark's birthday and Fern was trying to figure out what to get him and what he liked. And then he was looking at the clouds and saw like the clouds that look like titties and stuff. And he <laughs> yeah. was talking to himself. I love how he was like, I got to tell Fern about this. I'm just like, they're so cute. <laughs> Obviously, they don't have anyone but each other and free run. Um, so who else is he going to tell, right? But just the way he said it, it's like, oh, I got to tell Fern about this. Like He was just so excited to like tell her about something stupid. And I love all of their, their interactions. And this episode with the whole present saga, I was just like, it was just so cute and heartwarming. And I love the parallel here between Stark and Freerun, where they both unintentionally, or no, Fern, Stark, Fern, Fern and Free, no, Stark and Freerun, where they both <laughs> unintentionally picked items that had the lotus symbol, not knowing what it meant. Mm-hmm. But that it's it, it it unintentionally meant something that they haven't realized yet. Obviously, Himmel has feelings for Freerun, but I think Freerun didn't know her, her own feelings at the time. And Stark and Fern may not realize their feelings, but let's let's be honest. You know, they probably have feelings for each other. I just love that. I thought that was so nice um, that there were parallels there, and that Freerun had her moments of her own, like you know subtle romance yeah i think this episode was just all about understanding relationships there's a point also where saint talks to freeran about this because i think that's something that she still has yet to grasp case in point the flashback where himmel you know he he got that riz right yeah <laughs> he, he, he puts the ring on her finger and you know freeran doesn't think anything of it but she's kept that ring so she's basically engaged, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um the other comment I have on this episode is I, I love the the shot of the horse that's still levitating. Oh my god, the poor air. thing's trying to like run but it can't <laughs> yeah. move anywhere. It's like uh remember that one episode of Bebop where Ein's like flailing his legs and Yeah, the... and zero gravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In episode fifteen, smells like trouble. After fighting off the monster that is a good night's sleep, which in hindsight does not sound all that bad, Freerun and friends happen upon a village where not Tony Stark is asked to fill in as a dance partner to replace a noble's recently deceased son, until the noble realizes, oh yeah, I have another son. So as cute as this episode was, and I do love the romantic moments between Stark and Fern, it kind of felt like filler. I, I get what we were we were supposed to get from this whole like replacement son arc is is more of Stark's background, right? Like the parallels between this guy's situation and what Stark had gone through, um, and feeling again like Stark feeling worthy and seeing that not every father who's hard on their son necessarily means that they don't love their son because this guy obviously loves the son that passed away and his youngest son, but it, it felt like. We didn't need this whole thing to get that bit of like Starkism. You know what I mean? Like it just felt like a lot to say a little. Yeah. I think it was an episode that again touched upon the theme of regret with the noble Lord Orden yeah, Lord Orden, um, using Stark as a sort of replacement son. Uh, but what was the other part? Oh, the beginning where you have the that kind of random battle against sleep the sleep monster or something yeah 
that was interesting because I think the takeaway there was that free rent is fucking experience. So when she says yeah. she's got it, just listen to her. She's got it. Yeah, it, it was just a reminder that free rent is just OP as fuck. I love those moments, right. by the way. I just love when she is like, just steamrolls over everyone because mm-hmm. she's so fucking good. Yeah, except here it, it's not as stretched out as her fighting aura. So just a, a very short reminder. Uh, but so this is the episode that I alluded to earlier uh, because I knew that Courtney was going to pick up on the whole Fern and Stark thing. <laughs> so we actually ended up watching this episode separately um, because of... Just for time's sake. Yeah. Uh, but I had, we were watching it in the same room. I don't remember exactly why we were watching it separately. You know what? It's because for whatever reason, we didn't have access to our TV at the time because someone oh, else was right. using it. Yeah. So we were like, well, we'll just watch it at the same time, but like separately on our phones mm-hmm. um, in like the same room together because we had the we were letting this other person use our TV. <laughs> yeah. And so I was watching on my phone. You were watching on yours. I think I was ahead of you by a bit because I had wrapped up this episode. But then I turned my chair over and I looked at you because uh, I, I was waiting for you to get to the soiree part. And I was just I kept looking at you. Because I, I felt like you, there was going to be a smile just slowly creeping across your face when you see what I like to call the fern service. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that whole soiree scene where Stark is dancing with fern, it's enchanting. It's it's like something out of a damn Disney princess film. And I knew you were going to eat that shit up. And I did. Yeah. I did. And I was looking at you. I'm like, why do you keep looking at me? Why are you? I was like so nervous. I'm like, is something going to happen in this episode? Yeah. And I mean, something did. But I was like, I, you, I kept laughing because you were like staring at me, mm-hmm. <laughs> waiting for me to see the scene. I was I'm like, sure, oh my God. Yeah, you were sweating <laughs> bullets. I was just waiting for this scene to hey, happen. Hey, it's, it's some good romance, okay? It is some wholesome, cute, uh, awesome romance. I love it. Yeah, because, you know, of course they pick Fern to to improve her etiquette to dance with Stark instead of Freeran. You know, she's there too, but, you know, Freeran, they reserved her for just enjoying the cake at this soiree. In episode 16, Long Lived Friends, Freeran pays a visit to old man Jenkins, who, despite onset dementia, has defended his late lover's village since 1911-12 as the elf Everlasting promises to carry on his wayward son. Before her party can resume their trip to Oysthurst, however, Sane in the Brain learns from a stubborn old woman Jenkinella that his adventure bro, Gorilla Grodd, went east instead of west, putting him in the classic predicament of whether bros do come before hoes. I didn't know which way they were going to go with it. I was like 50-50. I'm like, he, he might abandon his plan and just stay with free run in the gang but, but he then, might also part ways because he did say earlier that he was only going to be there for part of the journey mm-hmm. so i actually didn't know which way it was going to pan out but then i feel like he wouldn't be true to himself as much as he loves this group now and he's gotten accustomed to them and built this camaraderie that's not like he would continue living with regret if he hadn't cho- chosen yeah hadn't chosen to find the gorilla warrior yeah that's true that's a good point but something about this episode maybe it's old man vol um this episode it it got me in the feels and maybe it's because like how noble vol is in wanting to defend this village 
for his late wife. But the, the the sadness of how he can no longer remember her face and, you know, like his memory is starting to fail him. But Freeren like, promises that she will honor his memory. It's like this just this very existential episode. It also, I think t- to me anyway, kind of commented on the fact that you don't have to remember what somebody looks like but you'll always remember the impact they left on you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, he li- this guy lives so long, maybe not as long as Freeran, but he lives so long that, yeah, eventually he may forget the way that somebody looks or the sound of their voice. But he, d- despite having some, you know, glitches in his memory, as we see when they're talking on the cliff, right? It was a cliff or something like that. Yeah. Um. So despite that, he never forgets the impact that his wife left on him, which is her love and their relationship. Um, so I don't know if Freerun will eventually experience the same thing with how long she's going to live, but I think that's what they're trying to comment on here is like those experiences and everything like that. That'll stick with you. The feeling of that person will stick with you, even if some other things won't. We also get a sort of cameo here with the statue of the priest and the warrior, um, as Sane is trying to get information out of that old woman the the stubborn old woman um, it's apparently it's craft who is part of that statue and i'm assuming yeah the warrior that he's paired with is supposed to be the gorilla warrior so we were talking about like how craft for like the him this was just like a blip in his in his whole lifespan right wait it was the gorilla warrior what? Oh. In craft? Oh wait, sorry. No, it wasn't. Okay, I, I'm I'm confusing myself. I'm like the timelines there are very no no off. <laughs> I, all right, scratch that from the record. Uh, it's craft and an unknown warrior because Hader had visited the statue with the younger Sane and Gorilla yes. Warrior. Yeah. Okay. That that makes more sense. But yeah, I guess this ties back to how you're talking about craft having this sort of journey as a hero but it only ended up being just a blip in his entire lifespan so this is that kind of full circle moment of seeing that come to fruition in episode 17 take care before sane and the brain can steer his no ragrats train he settles another hormone induced feud between fix the fernback and not tony stark then decides i've seen enough i'm satisfied and heads east instead of west with free run and friends Along the way, Fern goes down with the sickness, and despite not wanting to be treated like a widow baby, takes comfort holding Freerun's big meaty claws. Once her HP bar is replenished, the party marches onward toward Oysterst, home of the Not Hunter exam. So I think in the beginning of this episode, we have Freerun and Stark still praying before their meals with Fern, and this time it's with Sane. Um, which, again, they started doing when they were spending time with craft. So I just love that that is still a continuing thing for them. I love that. Just like those little things, right, where Freerun still holds on to what she's gained from people now that she's starting to appreciate her relationships with others. And she does even say in her conversation with Sane, like finally admits it and recognizes it that her previous companions taught her the joy of spending time with friends. The fact that she's gotten to this point where she recognizes that and says it out loud is huge. I mean, she that's that's completely different from the mindset that she had in episode one. 
also exciting, if not more exciting, is sane thinking and saying what we're all thinking. Just <laughs> date already, Stark and Fern. I loved that part when he was like so pissed about it. I'm like, I know exactly how he's feeling. That is exactly how I feel. Just date already. Right, because it makes sense coming from an adult who has had life experiences, but you know they're just stubborn teenagers who are letting the hormones get the best of him. The best of them. So, yeah, I love that reality check. But I'll admit, it's kind of sad to see Sane leave the group because it, it was so sudden. Like, he had come to his decision and he was kind of, he, he just dipped, right? <laughs> uh, I, I thought there would just be a little bit more fanfare. But, you know, I think that would have just been weird for a show like Free Ren. Yeah, and I think the smaller goodbye is their way of acknowledging or hoping that they will eventually cross paths again. It's their mm -hmm. hopium, okay? Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they don't want to say goodbye forever. Yeah, but it was just so hard to to see Sane go, even if we only knew him for, I think it was like five or so episodes. And that's the other charm about Free Ren, is that this show, for some reason, maybe it's, it's the way these characters are written or how things are just paced. It makes you feel for these characters even if you've only known them for a short amount of time towards the end of the episode or i guess the latter half of the episode um you've got that whole back and forth with free ren and fern about fern not being a child anymore but it, it kind of concludes with free ren not being dismissive of fern's growth but instead cherishing it and kind of remembering fern when she was small i think what a lot of parents probably go through like she still mm -hmm. acknowledges that fern has grown up but at the same time can cherish those memories so again it's it's that idea of balancing past with present that we continue to see like that that's a theme a motif that will continue to pop up and here's another example of free run doing exactly that i guess i looked at it more as like free run coming to the realization that time is is passing quickly, although we're seeing it at, as almost like a slower pace. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. Yeah, she because she always says things like, "Well, ten years is nothing," mm -hmm. or like, "You'll be gone," you know, before before I know it. But you're right. I think here she's realizing, "Whoa, time actually does pass faster than I realize." Right, because she still sees Fern as this this young girl that she's had as an apprentice and has to take care of, but. I think it's Fern's teenage tendencies where she, it's kind of like, Mom, stop that to yeah. free Ren. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a sentimentality to this that free Ren holds on to. And I think, you know, Fern still finds the comfort that free Ren provides to her in her time of sickness. Um, so I, I think for both of them, it has that sort of satisfaction of appreciating this moment and treasuring this time before it's too late. In episode 18, first class mage exam, despite lacking the confidence in their abilities to successfully succeed, free run and fix the fern back sign up for first class mage tickets to the not hunter exam. Joined by the sassy Ubella Deville, who was earlier saved by Kraft Mac and Cheese from bandits who actually probably needed saving from her. All the exam participants are split up into separate groups for the first test in capturing a fast little fucker of a feathery friend dubbed Operation Won't Sit Still. Free Run's party consists of a duo who butt heads more than Beavis does, 
but helps them learn that teamwork sometimes maybe just a little bit makes the dream work. Freerun gets another opportunity in this episode to change her outlook on her friendships because in yet another pair of parallel moments, um, we see her tell her old companions or her previous companions that they die so soon, even though they're the ones who said that they'll always know that she's a great mage. Basically saying like, yeah, that's fine, but like you'll be gone before I know it. So what does that, what good does that do me? And then when Fern says the same thing in present day, Freerun has a completely different response where she's appreciative and um, even I think like pats Fern's head. It's something splashy, but it is a complete 180 from the same moment that she had many years ago. And then the the exam arc starts, and I can't say I entirely care about Loween and Kane or Khan or whatever her name is, but like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe they'll play a bigger role at some point. It's kind of like Kraft. At first, I was like, is he going to matter in the end? Because we're spending a lot of time with him. And he does. He pops up, and he, he was part of the legends of, of old, um, you know, a previous hero. I don't know if Loween and this other girl, Con, I don't know how to say her name, Khan Kane. Con. Um, I don't know if they're going to have nearly the same impact, but maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe the show will surprise me. Yeah, I don't know if this is just supposed to demonstrate how Free Ren, like takes on a leadership role even when the, di- the dynamic changes. Because uh, that's what I think this first test is trying to put her to the test on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is where the, the exam arc begins. Again, there's a lot of lore exposition behind it that involve like the continental magic association which just feels like another way to say hunter association and then you have i think here it's or maybe the next up no it's here where you have text now on the screen that has to denote every new character that comes up you have warble you have denken you have ubel that we saw earlier in this episode so it kind of falls into those tropes like especially in My Hero, where you have this constant barrage of text information at you, this is where it begins. And this is where, like, my enjoyment started to wane a bit. But, it, you know, I, I still enjoyed this first foray into the exam mark. But I was like, you know, this is something that we've seen in other shows. I was just hoping that Freeran takes it and spins it in a whole different way. Yeah, that's a telltale sign. Like, if you need to stop and put text on the screen to remind the viewer of who these people are, that is a telltale sign that you have thrown too many characters at us all at once. My Hero, um, I don't know if Jujutsu Kaisen had, like, text on the screen, but I feel like there was always somebody, like, the narrator would pop in to remind us of who people were. It's just, like, if you have to do that, you got to scale back on the characters, (laughs) I get in this situation, I mean, they're all coming in in one big bunch because it's a bunch of mages doing this exam. But yeah, it is a little it's a little overwhelming. And in episode 19, well-laid plans, free run and new friends commence their freeze frame strategy of operation won't sit still, while fix the fern back and PU friends defend their captured still from Werble the gerbil and fiends. Free run strategy ensures that one brisk little bird lands on her shoulder until Denkin Flicka and Fiends detect her tiny burst of magic via GPS and swoop in before she can sit still no longer. 
as I mentioned before, like this whole exam arc is decently interesting, but it's just not what I enjoy about Free Run. I want more of the travels, more about her relationships. Um, I get sometimes we need to change things up, and, and that's fine. I just hope they don't linger too long on the exam. Yeah, isn't it weird that we don't want the action? I know. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like another shonen thing, which is not at all what Free Run, I think, is is about. But it's fine. If we if we have to take a sidestep like this, that's totally fine. We kind of got that with the demon, like mm-hmm. the whole aura and like demons, you know, introductory type of battle. Um, but they did that differently because they, they still had the parallel moments. They still had the past versus the present. I'm not getting a ton of that with this exam mark, which is why I feel like it's, it's not, it's not hitting the same vibes. Yeah. I think this is just like, it's going to demonstrate mage supremacy, right? Cause you have these mages from different classes or different backgrounds and, I think at some point in this episode, there's a character who mentions, oh yeah, it's, uh, whoever Fern was facing when their party was getting attacked and trying to capture their still, uh, they mentioned how Fern's magic has this sort of ancient vibe to it compared to the way that mages like the i guess modern day mages use their magic yeah i loved that part i love that comment um when that chick was saying that fern's magic feels old and then fern was like well my teacher told me that that's plenty to defeat mages of today Mm -hmm. and like to that girl that she's facing that sounds absurd right like old outdated magic is gonna defeat you know my new advanced stuff but the person who's telling fern this is of course free ren who has had more experience than probably everyone in this exam combined. Mm-hmm. So even though it sounds absurd, it's coming from probably one of the most reliable sources. And I just love that. I love that Free Ren, you know, she's not exactly one to change very often, but that she's so incredibly experienced that she can take one look at these mages and say, yeah, you don't need the flashy stuff. The old school stuff is going to reign supreme. Yeah. And a lot of what Free Ren does in this episode, we kind of see similar strategies that she used in her battle against Aura, um, more specifically concealing and suppressing her mana in, in order for that still to, to come up with her or come up next to her, kind of like like Free Ren using the Force in a really mysterious way. Uh, but obviously when Denkin comes and attacks, uh, who knows how this or like the battle is the outcome of this battle, who knows how it's going to look. But I, I imagine it'll be an, a show of force where, again, we are reminded of how OP Free Ren really is. Which I love. I, I may have mentioned this in the part one review. I'm not entirely sure. But for anyone who listened to um, our Guilty Pleasures episode of Strictly Anime, I talked about um, that like underdog scenario where maybe the person's not necessarily like inexperienced or whatever but people doubt them because they don't know what that that character is capable of and then like they have that really juicy moment where they just show everyone how fucking awesome they are or they just like bulldoze over everyone um or they're just like op as fuck out of nowhere and everyone's so shocked i live for those moments yeah the anime one-upsmanship yeah (laughs) and we get that multiple times with free ren and she's so chill about it so i'm i'm like super excited with this exam arc for free ren to have that juicy moment where everyone who doesn't realize who she is 
is like blown away by how fucking powerful she is. I guess it kind of ties in with a memory Freeman has at the beginning of this episode where the hero's party is, I think they're battling, it's right before they battle a dragon and they're all kind of nervous, but then Himmel's calming nature kind of puts them at ease. Uh, I think Freeran kind of exhibits the same thing here, like even as Denkin's crew comes in to try and steal the still from her, it's like Freeran knows, like she knows, like I got this. <laughs> I mean, that's hopefully the case uh, as we continue further into this first class, first class mage exam mark. Two more things with this episode I want to bring up before we move to final thoughts. Uh, you have the introduction of Werble. I think he was introduced in the previous episode. I called him like the uh, the K-pop mage. Um, his voice or his character is voiced by Kishio Taniyama. Is it John from Attack on Titan? It is. Nice. Okay, I, I knew it. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, hmm, that's my guy. Yeah, because I feel like I don't hear him in a lot of other anime. Neither do I. So, but he has that distinct kind of gruff voice. So I, I had to look up Warble's VA immediately. And yeah, I'm glad it was the guy who voiced John from AOT. The other thing that is kind of audio related, but I love about this episode is, I think it was, this is when Fern is battling whoever her counterpart is on Warble's team. And that person is floating in the air. And she's talking to Fern, but you can barely hear her. I know. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm like, hello, realism. Thank you. I was like, what? What'd you say? Yeah, it's that. That is so good. Like that. Mm -hmm. The fact that they added that means so much to me because as a realist, I always see that in anime, and there are anime that actually make fun of that too. Like they'll they'll poke fun of the fact that like two characters can be a million miles away, but for some reason they're able to hear each other when they're like talking um when they're like talking when, when they're conversing with each other um and so the fact that they were very realistic about it and they made her voice seem very distant and quiet because she was far away from fern i was like thank you thank you that is so good yeah it was just a great use of of sound and i don't think this moment was necessarily played up for humor because fern kind of just nonchalantly responds back to whoever this person is uh but I guess it it is a little bit humorous. Um, for me, it reminds me of this key part in the climax for the movie Shazam, uh, where this, uh, I guess, almost falls like into superhero tropes where these characters are talking to each other and they're just hundreds of feet or yards away that you wonder, like, can, can they really hear each other? Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of appreciate this. I guess, unintentionally humorous moment. And that brings us to our final thoughts for Free Run Beyond Journeys and Part 2. So, do you think that this part was a first-class experience? Uh, yes. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I think Free Run continues to get better and better and better. You'd think this formula that's on repeat of, again, walking and talking, reminiscing about the past, reacting to the, the present would get old, but it does not. And I think that's because the moments that they show us are all distinct. Um, they are all important and they all have a a a different message right like it, it has its its own message 
that still ties into the greater message of appreciating the relationships and, and everything that we've talked about. So that's what's keeping it from feeling stale is that you get something different out of each episode and out of each interaction. I think that's fantastic. Um, again, I am a little apprehensive about this exam arc. I hope we don't sacrifice those messages for the sake of having action or having a tournament arc of some sort, right? Like whatever we're trying to do in this exam, I hope we continue to emphasize the importance of, of the messages, but we'll see. It's, it's the early part of the exam. I have no clue how long it's going to last and it could, it could surprise me. It could blow me away in the end, but we'll get there in part three. What about you though? Yeah, I think I've already voiced enough of my enjoyment of this part. Uh, despite the series continuing with its slow but steady pacing, there's still a lot of fulfillment to be found in what I call the slice-of-life section of Freeran's journey northward. Nearly every story, every flashback, every character introduced in this part reinforce Freeran's major themes of appreciating all of life's experiences, but they do it in a way that really resonates with an intimate and personal emotion that, in my opinion, feels even stronger than what we experienced in the first 10 episodes. From old man Vol protecting his late wife's village, to Sane battling his feelings of regret, and even to the little adolescent interactions between Fern and Stark. Or should it be Stern? <laughs> Or, or Fark. Like, <laughs> Fark, I what, like that they, one. <laughs> yeah, their celebrity couple name be. I, I like Fark too. But you know, moving on, I will say that the first class mage exam, much as Courtney said, it might waver my enjoyment a bit because it feels like a filler arc with a concept all too similar to the Hunter exam in Hunter Hunter or other, other sort of battle royale arcs. But if Freeran continues the series' charm of imbuing these tropes with nuanced moments of catharsis and understanding, then that may be enough to help give this a fresh coat of paint. All of this still plays to Freerun's strengths, though, in continuing to find the little things that can make a journey feel like more than just its singular goal or objective. And I'm still looking forward to the final part of this season and finding out if Freerun becomes a certified hood classic after this exam and look forward to that our part three review where we will finish out the season i think it's what nine more episodes to go yeah what a journey this has been yeah. hasn't it <laughs> yeah so um that's it's going to be good stuff i i want to see where they leave us um and i hopefully we get a confirmation for another season but we'll chat all about that in our part three review but for now thank you guys as always for tuning in and let us know your thoughts on free run so far. Many of our Discord members have already been doing that. So if you want to join in on the discussion, please do so. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us about free run. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support us, head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. Be sure to check out our other podcast, Strictly JoJo. And as always... Stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.